All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back uh, to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I am your host, Jay Taylor, and we want to thank our sponsors for making this uh, show economically viable. For the second hour of today's show, our sponsors are Eurostar Gold Corp and Liberty Silver Corp. Well, I'm really glad uh, that Chris could stay with us uh, into the second hour here because we're really some fascinating topics. He was talking about, uh, we were talking about the issue of China um, being a creditor nation and their their lack of willingness to continue holding dollars and payment, uh, certainly realizing that that's a losing proposition. They're losing their shirt on dollars. The value of the dollar has gone down very dramatically uh, for China. So uh, that game of uh, China accepting worthless, increasingly worthless pieces of paper over, as Chris was suggesting. Uh, and Chris, uh, my apologies, we do have to cut off uh, to... Uh, pay the bills, uh, so to speak. But um, I'm all for it, Chase. And and uh, and you were getting in some interesting topic, a very interesting talk topic here, uh, can, uh, uh, involving WikiLeaks. Does WikiLeaks they have revealed some some information in the gold markets? Uh, yeah, the uh, U.S. State Department cables that uh, WikiLeaks uh, got a hold of uh, the latest bunch, I guess, last year. They uh, contained. Uh, I think about four or five cables from the U.S. Embassy in Beijing to the State Department in Washington that consisted of translations of uh, articles in the uh, Chinese government official press about uh, the Western gold price suppression scheme. I've got one uh, in front of me uh, here. Uh, It was uh, uh, sent in uh, 2009 uh, uh, to to the State Department. It's a translation of a Chinese newspaper uh, story, uh, newspaper translates to something called World News uh, Journal, and it's published by uh, the Chinese government uh, foreign uh, radio service. And uh, the cable summary uh, translating the Chinese news story reads, according to China's National Foreign Exchanges Administration, China's gold reserves have recently increased. Currently, the majority of its gold reserves have been located in the United States and European countries. The U.S. and Europe have always suppressed the rising price of gold. They intend to weaken gold's function as an international reserve currency. They don't want to see other countries turning to gold reserves instead of the U.S. dollar or euro. Mm -hmm. Therefore, suppressing the price of gold is very beneficial for the United States in maintaining the U.S. dollar's role as the international reserve currency. China's increased gold reserves will thus act as a model and lead other countries toward reserving more gold. Larger gold, large gold reserves are also beneficial in promoting the internationalization of the renminbi. Now, this is a 
official statement by the Chinese government and a Chinese government publication that was noted by the U.S. Embassy in Beijing, translated and sent to the State Department in Washington mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. Now, mm-hmm. we know from this that the Chinese government, and there's several other translations like this from other government publications in China, so we know that the Chinese government knows completely about the Western gold price suppression scheme, and we know that the U.S. government knows that China knows because the articles got translated and and sent back to the State Department. This is an open secret. It can't be talked about in the Western mainstream financial press, but the Chinese government knows and has told the Chinese people in various publications, and the U.S. government knows that China knows because it cabled the information back to the State Department. Yeah, dirty, rotten secrets. That's the way I would have to look at it, dirty, rotten secrets. And why is this important? This is important because what it means is that, as Alan Greenspan understood, the only way the government can steal property, private property from the American people, is by debasing the currency. And and, uh, and if you have a gold standard, one in which, you know, as, as the Chinese were saying there, uh, if the go- if people opt for gold instead of paper money, instead of the monopoly money the, that the government has, then the government can't rob the public. So you know this is Makes so, it a lot so Im- this is so important. This yeah, is well, so that's important. the objective of it. I mean, that's why you know I think the people in our organization would prefer there not to be a gold standard. We look to gold as the uh, guarantee of, of property and, and personal liberty. We want mm-hmm. people to be able to resort to gold whenever mm-hmm. they are dissatisfied with government uh, currencies. Let the governments have their, their currencies. The currencies are claims against the goods and services produced by the issuing nation, and that's, uh, that's fine. But gold's purpose is a sort of uh, insurance for uh, for individuals uh, against currency debasement that you're talking about. Absolutely, and Ron Paul is in 100% agreement with you on that issue. He has, in fact, said that he wouldn't make gold a mandatory uh, mona- money in a monetary system, but rather let it compete with right. the paper. Right, that's his legislation, is to allow competitive currencies. I, I, I think it's a great uh, concept and principle. It's just as a friend pointed out to me the other day, okay, we... We allow uh, competitive currencies to to function within one country, and then how do they do taxes? Yeah, well, that's that's what they were most concerned about is the ability to uh, to take taxes and again the government uh, to rob the American people of their property, their hard earned property. This is, of course, what governments have done throughout history. And our uh, republic that was created in 1776 was indeed an anomaly. The sad part of it is that we are reverting back towards sort of the norm of what governments have done, rape and pillage their, uh, the population. This is, this is why what you're talking about is so important. And if people could understand this in the mainstream media, Chris, the American people would, would be outraged. And, of course, this is one of the reasons I think they won't allow Ron Paul to get very far. I mean, he took it about as far as you possibly, as anybody possibly could, I think, in terms of educating the population in his run for the presidency. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I I agree, and I voted for him in the Republican primary here in uh, in Connecticut. Uh, I am a little disappointed in him that he did not uh, uh, ask Federal Reserve and Treasury officials some of the pointed questions that I had suggested mm-hmm. to him. But I've always suspected he didn't really want to be the one that actually uh, 
that actually pulled the uh, the plug. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, while uh, the gold price suppression scheme, I think, is is the most powerful mechanism of imperialism in the world today, and I object to it uh, for that reason. I object to it more because it has destroyed our own free markets in the United States, and it Absolutely. has really financialized. Uh, uh, the whole economy it's it's turned us more into an economy uh, based on financial manipulation and ledger domain and and uh, uh, less on uh, production and uh, and innovation and it's this uh, this destruction of the market economy in the United States that I think uh, really ought to outrage uh, the American people absolutely it has allowed a reallocation of wealth from the people that produce wealth and i like to say the miners the manufacturers the farmers the inventors people that actually do things and then you're seeing allocation of resources of financial not only financial but personal and uh you know the talent being taken away from from these endeavors i mean one good case in point is chen lin who's a partner of mine who was uh, in a phd program at princeton for aeronautical engineering but he said who needs this and he was making so much money investing in the markets he took his brains and went out and made huge did extremely is doing extremely well making a lot more money a doctor uh, that i've known you know a young doctor decided not to become a medical doctor that just not a very not a very great profession any longer as it once was and he uh, got involved with a hedge fund so i think you what you're saying is absolutely right but you talked about the wikileaks and i like just to spend a minute perhaps to talk about wikileaks because here they exposed a truth about what's going on they shined some light on a dark dirty secret about how our government is re is reallocating wealth essentially robbing the american people of their property and so for that i consider uh the gentleman there mr assange as a hero but what's going on there? He's holed up in the uh, in the in the embassy of, um, of Ecuador. Uh, Ecuador. Uh, what's the story there? What do you? What's your understanding? Of what's going on? Well, uh, Assange is is looking to uh, get out of what he sees as the clutches of the uh, uh, Anglo-American power structure. Uh, he's uh, uh, afraid that uh, if he stays in countries under the United States influence, uh, he's going to be uh, uh, arrested and charged with uh, espionage, though I think that would be ridiculous. Uh, he didn't do any espionage. Uh, he merely published uh, what was uh, given to him by uh, somebody who did betray his oath to the United States. Uh, but Assange uh, really had uh, the freedom to publish it, and he, he did. But he's hauled up in the uh, uh, Ecuadorian embassy in, in London uh, because London wants to return them to uh, Sweden. And uh, Sweden does not have an arrest warrant out for him. They, hmm. they want him for questioning on uh, complaints of, uh, of sexual assault. Um, and i uh, uh, really a little uh, perturbed that he's facing extradition to Sweden, not because there's any arrest warrant for him, but just hmm. because the, the Swedish prosecutor uh, wants to, uh, to question him. Um, he's afraid that if he leaves the embassy, they will take him to Sweden, and Sweden will uh, imprison him or turn him over to the United States, and then the United States will bring some espionage prosecution against him. And while I, I don't have any particular admiration for the guy, I, I do uh, want due process of law uh, to be maintained uh, everywhere, and, and to extradite a guy on the, on the mere request for questioning strikes me as a little too much. 
Well, do you think he would even be given a trial? Because after all now, Chris, we know that our President of the United States can have any one of us assassinated if he believes that we are a uh, Yeah, uh, I know. I I fear that he'd be uh, shot while trying to escape. Without any due process, uh, I mean, if this non-citizen, if if citizens of the United States are not allowed to have any uh, due process any longer, why would a guy like this be given any due process uh, if the United States and the Anglo-American Empire got yeah, all of them. the uh, you know the last uh, defense uh, I hate to say defense but the last military appropriations bill here in the United States uh, contained language that seems to uh, allow the uh, uh, indefinite uh, detention uh, without trial of uh, of American citizens uh, upon a, a mere uh, charge of uh, of terrorism and. Uh, I, uh, that's really repealing the the Bill of Rights, and for what uh, what reason? You could uh, you can repeal or suspend habeas corpus, I guess, according to the Constitution in time of war, or, uh, you know, in cases of uh, rebellion. But uh, uh, we are not in any kind of uh, war that has impaired the functioning uh, of the federal courts. Uh, our, our courts are operating in. Uh, uh, completely ordinary uh, ways, uh, just as they've always been, and there's no reason, as far as I can see, to uh, uh, compromise uh, due process of law and uh, complaints of terrorism. Yeah. main thing is to keep the American public down on the mushroom farm, as they say, so they don't really understand what's going on. And uh, Julian uh, I think it's, it's to keep everybody scared and uh, to prevent people from asking questions and uh, discourage them from trying to hold their government accountable. And uh, that can't be uh, permitted. Uh, Chris, you talked about the Exchange Stabilization Fund. Tell our listeners, uh, those who may not be familiar with it, what are the powers of the Exchange Stabilization Fund and how does that apply to the gold markets as well as a lot of other markets? Well, the Exchange Stabilization Fund is uh, an agency of the U.S. Treasury Department. It was created by the Gold Reserve Act of uh, of 1934. And uh, in the original legislation and in the uh, law as it has been amended, I believe, in 1970, uh, the Exchange Stabilization Fund uh, has the authority to... uh, uh, well, originally had the authority to trade in the uh, currency markets and particularly to trade in the uh, the gold market uh, in the name of stabilizing the value of the dollar. As it was amended in 1970, uh, the Exchange Stabilization Fund now has the, the authority to trade uh, not only in every market, uh, including the gold market, but to trade surreptitiously in the markets. It's basically a, a market-rigging mechanism that... Uh, uh, exists very candidly for market rigging uh, and has uh, got full legal authority uh, to do it. It answers only to the Secretary of the Treasury and the and the President of uh, of the United States, and it's exempt from the Freedom of Information Law. And uh, uh, that I think is a uh, a main place that you would go looking if you uh, you wanted evidence of uh, of surreptitious market intervention. Now. Uh, you can, you can. I'm not making this up. You can, you can find the Treasury Department's uh, uh, Exchange Stabilization Fund page, and they will uh, cite their authority to trade in gold and anything else. Yeah. So that means that they could come in uh, as one Federal Reserve official suggested long ago. I can't remember his name, um, which one it was, but somebody suggested a long time ago when the equity markets start to tank that the Fed or the Treasury should come in and. And uh, use the S and P 500. The S and P. Yeah, buy futures. Uh, if uh, buy you, futures. Uh, 
if you read the uh, the Gold Reserve Act, uh, and I can send people the link to the actual statute, if you read the uh, Treasury Department's uh, description of the authority of the Exchange Stabilization Fund, it has full authority to trade surreptitiously in any market at all. So you could come into the oil markets, rig the oil markets, you could come into the gold markets, as the silver markets, any market, the bond markets, the treasury markets, probably the most important markets, one of the biggest markets anyway, uh, not more important than gold, I would argue. But So it, it, do, you, do you believe that this is probably ongoing, that there's things now, especially since Lehman Brothers and the problems that have occurred, we've seen all manner of new uh, tools being taken out of the Fed's toolbox, so to speak, of manipulating markets, uh, it would seem to me that this might be something that is almost ongoing in almost every market. And the, and the further you and the more you manipulate a market, the more out of whack that market becomes. Requires even more manipulation, does it not? Oh yeah, but you got to remember, Jay. A lot of this stuff is done in the open. I mean, the yeah. Reuters had a story uh, uh, the other day saying that the Obama administration again is considering uh, using the. Uh, Strategic oil reserve right. uh, to disward from the strategic oil reserve to knock oil and gasoline prices down, presumably uh, in time to uh, support the president's reelection. Uh, this is market intervention done in the open. Uh, a lot of currency market intervention is done in the open. Uh, why anybody would think that the gold market alone would be untouched by the, uh, this kind of government intervention is it's just beyond me. Yeah. Well, we have uh we have some friends of ours, I would friends maybe is not the right word, that uh that will maintain otherwise uh that that somehow that they're so insignificant and unimportant that there's no reason to touch the gold or the silver markets. And the silver markets maybe yeah, we and could these just... guys have never Jay put a single question to a central banker. I mean, they will give these sweeping denials that nothing could possibly be be happening, but they've never undertaken any original research themselves or, or put a question to uh, a central bank official. My organization, by contrast, has sued central banks twice. We have a, uh, a third freedom of information claim uh, pending now with the, the Fed and the Federal Open Market Committee and the State Department and the Treasury Department. We have elicited uh, statements and documents showing that there's all sorts of gold secrets all over the place, and, and yet this does not... Uh, prompt the least bit of curiosity from these uh, so-called mainstream gold market analysts. Tell us what is the uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, information that you're looking for now. Oh, we've we've uh, recently asked the uh, the Fed and the FOMC and the State Department and the Treasury Department for access to uh, uh, all uh, international agreements to which the United States or a U.S. government agency is a party uh, involving gold. Uh, our original free information complaint against uh, the Fed involved uh, gold swaps. Well, we've, we've broadened it now to uh, apply to any international agreement involving gold. We are particularly curious to see if we can we can find any documentation of uh, these gold swap arrangements between the, uh, say, the United States and, and the Bundesbank or Bank of England or. Uh, uh, other central banks like that. Uh, it will be a while before anything comes of uh, uh, this case. These these case, cases typically take uh, a year or two before they yield anything. But we have gotten acknowledgments from three of the four agencies that they've received our uh, request. And uh, we'll see after a certain point if we do not get the uh, 
access to uh, the records that we seek, we will have the option of of bringing in another lawsuit in U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, and perhaps uh, we will uh, gain some useful information uh, out of that, as we did from our our first lawsuit. But I I hope at least the uh, the new free information requests will give some ideas to the uh, mainstream financial journalists that maybe there are a few questions worth uh, worth asking here. Yeah, I, I hope you're right about that. Well, one of the best uh, questions, I think an important question that the uh, that the uh, interviewer at Russian television asked you was, could you provide a smoking gun evidence of manipulation? And you pointed to something that took place in 2009. Would you care to share that yeah, with our listeners? It was in the course of our FOI request to the Federal Reserve. Um, our request was uh, given to uh, a member of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve, Kevin M. Warsh, who is effectively uh, acting as a hearing officer in the Fed's internal review of our Freedom of Information uh, case. He, uh, of course, turned us down. Uh, they weren't going to give us much of anything. Uh, wrote a three-page letter to our lawyer on September 17, 2009, which is posted on our Internet site in which he acknowledged that among the records that the Fed was uh, keeping secret from us and uh, uh, the rest of uh, uh, American citizens uh, were records of uh, gold swap arrangements with foreign banks. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was an acknowledgement that uh, despite the many denials given by government officials over the years that they don't have anything to do with the government, it was an acknowledgement that the Fed in the here and now, not in distant history, but right now, uh, is surreptitiously involved in the gold market, that uh, mm-hmm. the Fed has secret gold swap arrangements with foreign banks. Now, that letter did not say that the Fed has implemented those gold swap uh, arrangements. We don't know that. All we know is that uh, uh, Fed Governor Warsh acknowledged that uh, uh, among the documents about gold that the Fed is keeping secret there are documents involving secret gold swap arrangements with foreign banks. So we know that the Fed is at least contemplating and prepared uh, uh, for uh, intervention in the gold market. I'm very confident, given statements that the Bundesbank has made to us, that uh, the Fed indeed has uh, intervened in the gold market uh, with the Bundesbank acting as as the Fed's agent. But that's, uh, I think, a very contemporaneous uh, smoking gun. That's September 17, 2009. Yeah, it seems to me that would leave very little doubt, if any. Uh, you know, and, and you guys uh, at GATA have have compiled lots and lots of, of examples over the years. Many, too many to to mention in a short period of time like like now. There's also I'd like to just talk a little bit in the few minutes we have left, Chris, about the silver markets and the investigation that's been going on there. Some interesting things coming out of the Financial Times suggesting that a, an investigation into the silver market uh, rigging. Uh, that there wasn't enough evidence to take it any further, and then an, an individual of the CFTC uh, came out and said, "Yes, there is. It's not. We haven't decided to dismiss the case just yet." Would you care to fill our listeners in a little bit on on that story? Yeah, the, the CFTC has been purporting to be investigating the silver market for three and a half years. Nothing has come from it. And a few weeks ago, the Financial Times wrote a story on its front page attributed to unidentified sources that the investigation would be uh, concluded without action. Um, This story was promptly contradicted by Bart Shulton, a member of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, who said that, no, the 
there had been no decision to uh, conclude the investigation, that uh, uh, it was still ongoing, and the hope that there would be something uh, said about it in a, in a month or two. Um, I admire Chilton very much for having brought this issue out into the open, and Chilton has given statements uh, many times, including again recently, that uh, he believes the silver market has been tampered with and the gold market too. But uh, I think that the CFTC at this point has probably been told candidly that uh, the uh, rigging of the gold and silver markets is a U.S. government operation and the CFTC should stay out of it. I have pointed uh, to President Johnson's uh, statement uh, back in 1965 when he, he signed the Coinage Act uh, demonetizing silver that year. Uh, Johnson warned silver investors uh, not to invest in silver because he said the Treasury Department had a big stockpile of silver, and if uh, there was any attempt uh, uh, to uh, drive the price up, the United States government would disord from the uh, silver reserve and, uh, and knock the price down. So rigging the silver market has been official U.S. government policy since at least 1965. Um, I think it remains uh, that policy uh, today, uh, but we'll just have to, uh, have to see. Um, I don't expect the CFTC to bring... Uh, any action here because it is a government operation, but I do think there will be uh, disclosures uh, about the silver market, if only from the class action lawsuit that's been brought against J.P. Morgan uh, Chase for silver market rigging that's now pending in U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. Chris, uh, how long can this go on? This, this, these manip- the manipulation of, of the silver and the gold markets. You have economic reality on the one hand, and then you have this fantasy currency, this this con job, if you will, to try to keep people interested and believing in paper money that has absolutely no backing. It is a liability money. The only reason that our money is worth anything is if other people can pay their debts, and we're seeing increasingly... Well, the government makes the money worth something, Jay. It's it's required that uh, the money is... uh... Uh, you know, legal tender for all debts, public and private. That's what gives the uh, the money value. It is a claim against uh, all the goods and services available in the United States. It's not worth nothing. It is, as you say, constantly depreciating, which is the objection about it. That's why we want an alternative to it. But uh, you're right. It's a con job. Uh, uh, the government doesn't want us uh, concentrating on the constant depreciation of uh, uh, of the money. How long can it go on? I think it can go on until the... Uh, the alternative, the, the the hard money alternative, the the gold and silver uh, reserves are exhausted. That's how it ran out in uh, uh, March 1968, and I think that's uh, that is how it will end today. The governments will see that they, the manipulating governments anyway, will see that they they don't have enough metal to uh, keep manipulating the markets with, and they will retreat to a higher price level, perhaps offer a uh, very much higher price for people tendering their gold to. Uh, the government will start uh, all over again, but it can go on as long as gold and silver investors, including governments, are prepared to take pieces of paper that say gold and silver uh, when they when they buy the metal instead of insisting on delivery of the real stuff. That can go on forever, Jay. This is it's a question of. Uh, of, of, of knowledge versus ignorance. I don't know when people are going to wise up. I hope it's in my lifetime. 
So it's really uh, it's really an issue of trying to shed light on reality. Uh, certainly, people like Eric Sprott and others have advertised the need to take possession of of the metal, and you can do it in various ways, uh, including Mr. Some of the, the funds that Mr. Sprott's organization runs. You can do it through James Turk's gold money. Is another way. There's a number of different ways. Do you are you concerned, though, Chris? Uh, that the government might not just bid on gold, but might just confiscate it as they did in the 1930s. Is it's that a, a possibility, Jay. I don't know what they're going to do. I do know I engaged the Treasury Department a few years ago in long correspondence. Uh, I wanted to know what the Treasury Department's policy on confiscation was, and at first they wouldn't answer me, but finally when I engaged my congressman, uh, he compelled them to answer me, and I got a very long, candid letter back from the Assistant uh, Secretary for Foreign Assets Control, and he told me that uh, under the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917 and the Emergency Economic Powers Act, I think of like 1974 or something like that, uh, the Treasury Department claims the uh, power upon proclamation of an emergency by the President of the United States to seize or freeze any gold or silver-related asset. But he added that I shouldn't get too paranoid about it because under the same two laws, the Treasury Department, under the uh, uh, upon the proclamation uh, of an emergency by the tre- President of the United States, the Treasury Department claims the power to seize or freeze any asset in the United States. So, <laughs> so don't, <laughs> they could don't they worry about gold power and silver. In an emergency to take anything they damn well please from us. As a practical matter, I don't think it's going to happen. Right. And aren't we happy to have our government take care of us the way they do, huh? Land okay. of the free and home of the brave. Well, it once was, and I, and I want to again commend you and Bill Murphy and the army of people that have worked for GATA and who have really done done a great service i believe uh in your through your civil rights organization to shed light uh on on what's going on here because it is a uh pickpocketing organization it is a theft organization through fiat money and uh to, you in doing your well you're doing your part chris you and the people at gata to help uh, people understand what is really going on because it certainly isn't advertised by the mainstream. I want to thank you very much for being with us. And again, it's gata.org. Where can people pick up and follow your work? Because you provide some wonderful information on a daily basis, I might add, and people that are listening to this show can avail themselves to that, right? Yes, they can, Jay. They can just go to our uh, Internet site, gata.org, and uh, they can uh, sign up for our free uh, daily uh, dispatches. There's a little mechanism in the right-hand column of the Internet site. Excellent. Thank you very much, Chris, for being with us and, and your generous allocation of your time to our listeners. Thank you very much. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with my uh, two partners, Roger Wiegand and Chen Lin. So don't go away. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. 
Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, Insights. Call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I have with me uh, Roger Wiegan, one of my two partners. Chen Lin uh, was going to join me. He hasn't yet checked in. I don't know if he will or not. But in any event, we uh, do have Roger, so welcome, Roger. Thank you, Jay. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, what's your view of the gold markets now? You're, we're seeing a breakout of sorts, are we? And what is your, what is your target here, let's say, uh, by the end of the year and, and sooner, if you want to give that? The uh, the breakout today had to do with the technicals. We had a long-range uh, continuation triangle that went on for better part of two and a half months. Uh, typically, they break out, Jay, on the third try against hard resistance. That resistance was 1,622.50. That was the uh, previous 200-day moving average. Uh, today, we did go through it. Uh, we opened up at 1,623.10. And the last price is almost 1640, 1639 and a half. So we're up a full 1%, about $16.50. Uh, the next stop is probably 1648, 1650. And then it goes up in increments of $10, uh, 55, 65, 75, 85. What I'm looking for is a full 50% retracement, uh, from the low to the high. 
which is 1736.5. I'm pretty confident, Jay, that we can reach that number uh, in this fourth quarter coming up, but I expect we'll do even better than that. Uh, depending upon what happens in politics and the credit markets uh, in Europe, and most particularly, I think we could go all the way up to um, 1923 and do a double top at that old previous high. That's pretty ambitious. I'm not going to say necessarily we're going to do that, but I think we can do 1736.5 for sure. Now, today's golden move was 1% up. It was a wave one. Tomorrow should be wave two down. The down won't be much, probably about 5 or $6. After that, the following day is going to be a three-wave up. That's the big one. That's 50% of the entire five-wave move, and that's going to be perhaps as much as 40 or $50. We hope. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Now, the next thing is is that December silver did even better today. Silver of late has been uh, pressuring faster to the high side than gold, but it came with gold today in a very nice breakout, opened at $28.81, last price December futures $29.33, the trading range on silver today was $0.85, which was very good. So 2.3% up today, silver, 1% up in gold, and naturally when this happens, you're going to see the connecting uh, commodity or premium currencies go up in a pop as well. Okay. Swiss franc today went up 1%, and the uh, euro went up 1%. The dollar went down almost 1%. All right. Well, that makes sense. The dollar's down. The metals are up. And we do have Chen Lin holding. Welcome, Chen. Chen, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, hi, Chen. Um, just uh, Roger uh, presented some targets for gold, and uh, he's very bullish now in the short term. And I, I might mention, Roger, that James Turk is calling for $2,000 yet, I think, by the end of the year. Do you see that as a possibility? Absolutely. Um, we've got to get through that 1923 number, which was our old high. That will be as tough as a 200-day moving average. But if we can get there early enough in the fourth quarter and there's some room on the upside, uh, there's no reason why we couldn't go to 2,000, and okay. that would probably be the next big hard resistance number. Okay, now I'd like to ask Chen uh, your views on gold, uh, Chen. I believe you're probably bullish on gold right now. Am I right? Yes, that's correct. And and what do you see from a fundamental point of view that causes you to be bullish on gold? Oh, fundamental. I mean, I'm from very long term, very bullish on gold. I mean, for the record, I mean. Quite a few years ago, I already saw, I believe, uh, five digits of gold. Uh, you know, we're in a long, you know, long run. There will be some up and downs. Uh, sometimes, you know, short term is hard to see. Roger probably have a better view, technical than I do, because I'm not a technical trader. Uh, there are all these uh, hedge fund buying and selling and hedging gold. Uh, it's hard to see exactly, but usually. Around August, uh, September is the bottom of gold price. So because mm-hmm. of the season, you know, seasonal demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this, but this year is harder because uh, the demand in India is weaker. I heard so far. Yeah, demand in and China then, okay. has been strong. So, so we'll see. You know, um, uh, so so it's seasonal so factor maybe a little bit weaker, but usually it's a good time to buy. Plus, gold stock was hit so hard this year. So that's why. 
as soon as uh, I came back from vacation, I bought Gofu that used Mar dividends. So that, you know, I, for example, Silver Wheat and Option, I bought uh, almost double today. Actually, more than double today. I'm pulled pull back a little bit. So yeah, you I, you leveraged up on the options, and and that's and that's done very very well for you. Um, what you, so you're seeing a lot of demand coming out of China? I guess I, I know I saw some some record uh, uh, movements of gold through Hong Kong into China. Yeah, that that's uh, in China. China, you know, I was really worried about China economy uh, earlier this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it seems uh, it should be fine, at least for the near term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the demand going to be uh, very strong for, for gold. And especially recently, if you notice, Chinese currency has been weakening. Uh, there's a very large of uh, capital exit China, uh, mm. so if not China's central bank buying, uh, you know, buying Chinese currency, they will be even weaker. So, um, so if Chinese currency weaken, gold actually stronger against dollar. Actually, gold even stronger in Chinese local currency terms. So that may attract more buyer. Interesting. So you're seeing a, a capital moving out of China. Is that what's driving the the, the renminbi lower? Yeah, there was a very large uh, capital uh, go- going running rushing out of uh, all the emerging market almost. Uh, China was uh, no no ex- no exceptions. And so we're seeing are we seeing Chinese capital then going into other countries to try to buy up assets? Is that what's happening? Uh, it's hard to say. I think mostly it's uh, those people who invest in China, you know, like uh, five ten years ago, and then they basically ride the housing market in China, they ride the Chinese currency appreciation. Now they kind of a little bit scared about the world, uh, so they they want to cash out. That's what mm-hmm. I my take. Okay, uh, there are also uh, uh, some other you know Chinese you know capital, some rich people maybe for the diversification purpose. So, mm-hmm. so but uh, basically, you know, they were riding the, the they were overweighting Chinese currency because they were riding the appreciation game, and then they see you know right now at least this year temporary hit hit the top. So yeah. Chen, you were quite bullish on platinum some time ago. I think you probably still are. What What is your sense of, of the platinum markets now? Well, platinum market is basically because it's 70, 80% South Africa. You know, South mm-hmm. Africa massacre, it really shows uh, yeah. the weakness, vulnerability of uh, the platinum. Uh, the uh, a lot of people don't believe uh, you know don't don't believe platinum is uh, as important as gold, but I, I actually happen to have a different uh, point of view uh, because. Uh, People traditionally all believe platinum is uh, more precious than gold, and platinum also harder to mine. You look at the part of the problem dispute in South Africa is the miner couldn't get paid well enough, mm-hmm. and they want a better pay, but the platinum price is so low that the mine is not making money, so they cannot raise their, raise their salary. That that's the bottom line. Yeah. So platinum price has been too depressed. My feeling. Has has the platinum price responded to the murders in the mine in South Africa? Yeah, it's been going up twenty dollar every day since my purchase. Today only up ten dollars. So oh, okay. So what what's platinum price at right now? Uh, it's a fifteen fifteen oh oh eight something around there. Okay, okay. And Roger, I want to ask you about the oil markets. What are you what are you seeing in the oil in the oil markets now technically? Well, technically now the September uh, nearby contract is nine ninety six dollars and fifty five cents. We're up about six tenths of a percent today. Uh, we did open at 95.97. We're pretty close to that, but a little higher. The high was 97.60. The key point here today is, Jay, oil for some reason travels 
in a trading range of $4 increments, and today we're sitting right on the top of the 92 and a half, 96.5. The 96.5 is support today by a nickel. You could call that support and resistance, but if it keeps on going the way I think it will, and that's what it looks like on the chart, the next trading range is 96.50 to uh, $4 more, which is $100.50. Uh, keep in mind two other points. Iran has undergone sanctions, and they're trying to bit desperately sell oil. China's been buying oil from them in trade for gold simply because they couldn't go with the currency system. Iran has said to pay their bills they need oil at 120 Uh The Saudis say they need oil at $85 and would prefer it there. I think it's going to go a lot higher. It may not go to 120 right away, but also next year with more inflation coming, I, don't, I can't see how it's going to stay under $100. Chen, uh, I know that you've been sort of hoping that oil doesn't rise too drastically because the oil companies that you are following and investing in can do just fine with $80 oil, let's say, or even $60 or $70 oil. What are your thoughts uh, about if Roger's right, $100.50 or, or thereabouts, is that going to cause some problems? Yeah, I'm kind of in the camp. I hope uh, moderate oil price. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I'm I, you know I've been investing oil for oil stock for many years. My thesis has always been a seventy dollar, eighty dollar. Uh, the, the reason is that there's a huge oil in the United States and Canada. All the shell oil, yeah, all this revolution and those oil uh, probably takes about seventy, you know, sixty, seventy dollar to to produce, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for for return of capital as well, if value is too high, if value is over a hundred, <laughs> there will be flood of oil coming out of uh, North America. Uh-huh. Actually, they will threaten Saudi Arabia's uh, dominance. I, I think Saudi Saudi Arabia recently tried to push the oil price down. Also, is like that. They tried to, uh, you know, kill the his rivalry out of infantry. You know, infantry. So they don't want. It. The, mm-hmm. the shell oil to be too too successful. That's, mm-hmm. that's, again, that's my feeling. Okay, um, uh, you know, look at uh, all these um, oil in in, in in you know in Balkan, you know, in all these, uh, they, they have a huge discount to WTI, and then WTI has a huge discount to to North Sea. So mm-hmm. basically, you do those shell oil, uh, you you only get like sixty dollars or something. You know, mm-hmm. very very tough. So. So that that's also tell you there's so much oil over there they they can't ship it out. Right. So but but yeah. anyway, so just from that point of view, uh, I see um, the technology advance uh, may uh, may create may find may find more oil for for hopefully for the human human race and I hope to see oil a little bit lower seventy dollars three dollar gas. Uh, I like to see that's what I like to see. Well, that's because you're driving that big limousine, Chen. Uh, but uh, jo- uh, joking aside, uh, it, uh, higher oil prices will definitely, uh, definitely hurt the economy, right? Exactly. I mean, hurting middle class the most because they, you know yeah. everybody's driving a car. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, that's the same as a tax on the middle class. Sure, indeed. Uh, Roger, in light of the drought, uh, what are your predictions for some of these agricultural prices, corn and? Um, well, early this year, we could see both the weather problems and also it, uh, expecting inflation in the fourth quarter. We, we, we did projections back in the first quarter of corn at $8. Uh, those prices were achieved. Uh, today, 
uh, corn was taking another run at the high of $8.48. The corn price right now is uh, $8.38. And we see it, it did hit a high of uh, 84 840 today. We think it could go to 850 maybe even $9 yet because the December contract is the one that counts the most because that would represent the harvest. Generally, mm-hmm. early on in this year, uh, USDA and some of the prognosticators were saying that uh, they thought that uh, corn was going to do better. They knew it was in a drought, but they felt it would do a little better than it has. And from what I can tell, as much as uh, a third to two-thirds of the corn crop is destroyed, they haven't pulled back on ethanol. Ethanol is 40% of the whole deal. So there's a big squeeze on corn. We did say early on in the letter months ago that we expected rationing in corn. hasn't happened since probably the early 1950s, but I think that's where we're headed. All right, Roger. Unfortunately, we got a lot of inflation coming. Yeah, well, we're out of we're out of time. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if that's inflationary or deflationary. Frankly, because when prices rise, people have to pay for their food, and they don't have money to spend on other things. So it's 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 a complicated equation for sure. I want to thank both of you, Roger and Chen, for being with us again. Uh, thanks for your views on the markets, folks. Don't go away. I'll be right back with some closing thoughts on today's show and next week's guest. Don't go away. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliffe Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, with some closing thoughts on today's show. Uh, certainly what we're talking about, I believe, and what we focused on today to a great extent is the perversion of the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States calls for money to be comprised of gold and silver. 
That's one thing. Well, once you took away uh, the gold and silver from the money and allowed a private corporation, the Federal Reserve, to create endless amounts of money out of, fi- out of thin air to finance wars, then it became very easy for the government to violate a second main provision of the Constitution, and that was to enter into wars only when Congress declares them. Well, if the money is easy to come by, if you can just print money out of thin air, uh, then you don't have to raise taxes, and you don't have to get people angry, and you don't have to go to Congress to vote for wars. You can just simply have them. And so since World War II, basically, the United States has been expanding its military presence everywhere, circling the globe, using its currency, which is uh, it, it is the privilege of being really the spoils of World War II, the Anglo-American Empire, being able to use the dollar to finance endless wars. But that is coming to an end, I believe. Uh, it's hard to say when. Chris Powell suggesting today that the scheme can go on as long as people believe in the fiat currency or until the gold and silver runs out of the U.S. Uh, really, the gold runs out of the U.S. possession. Uh, and then he believes that we'll have to come to some sort of a realistic uh, restructuring of the global monetary system, I believe, uh, uh, although Chris would rather see, and I would agree with him, uh, not a gold-backed monetary system, but rather just let people be free and use gold in trade and commerce uh, as they should be uh, free to do. Of course, uh, should be and are two different things, and what we're trying to deal with is the real world, and so we do talk about how to invest our money in this economy, how to survive in this economy. And uh, I think, you know, we look to Eurostar Resources today, Eurostar Gold Corp, I should say, uh, is an example of a company that's done very well uh, early on, a company for reasons that I point out in my own newsletter. I like it a lot, think it has great prospects uh, to do well, but there's a whole host of companies, and I think very encouraged by the action of the gold markets, not only the gold bullion markets, and as Roger Wiegand and Chen Lin were talking about, a breakout in the gold markets, but also in the share prices. We could be seeing a fall rally here that really breathes some life into the junior gold sector, and I'll, of course, be talking about that in my newsletter on an ongoing basis. But we are very concerned about liberty, and that is what really is at stake uh, with the perversion of the gold monetary system, the perversion of the, of the Constitution of the United States, taking us off the gold standing standard, allowing the United States and its military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about, going everywhere around the world and taking over countries, reestablishing governments uh, for the purpose of the military industrial complex for the rich and powerful interest, uh, the banking interests that are behind the scene controlling our actions. We are out of time. Next week, I do want to tell you we're going to have Alana Mercer with us. Uh, and also Airway Gold. Alana Mercer will talk about the the horrible events that have taken place in the South African gold, uh, uh, platinum mines that Chen was talking about. And she is the author of Inside the Can- or Into the Cannibals Pot. She has some great insights into South Africa's uh, uh, economy and what's going on. I want to thank each of you for listening. I want to thank Tacey Trump, my producer. Uh, Justin, uh, Jack, uh, Justin Jackman, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Airway Energy.